if you repeat results, you are in the business that is diagonally opposite to innovation. You know, I've heard people say it's all about execution. BlackBerry was executing really well. Trouble is, the world changed while they were busy executing. The most powerful catalyst for getting people into the right frame of mind to do something different and to innovate is actually sharing the stories. Our next guest is Tiffany Kleeman. She was the CEO of Distill Networks and they got acquired by Imperva and she's an SVP there. Yeah, and you're going to learn about the importance of alignment in leadership and throughout the organization, transparency, listening, listening to others, listening to your gut uh, from someone who's done it. And also learn a little bit of what it's like to go through a transformation on a personal level, which is a pretty brave thing that she shares with us. So let's get into it. Our theme today is about transformation and turnaround. So often we hear about the methodologies, the practices, what it's like to go from the garage to the fancy building. But I think a lot of people listening are wondering about when you've taken a new role and you're in a rough spot or you've created the rough spot, how do you start to dig yourself out of? And so Tiffany, can you talk to us a little bit about a transformation or turnaround that you were part of? Yeah, I think probably the most recent and most prominent in my career to date uh, was uh, at Distill Networks. I was asked to come in to take over as CEO um, of the company at a really interesting time in the company's kind of stage um, and maturation. The company had been in existence already for about six years. And it was um, a bit of a kind of a restart, right? A turnaround of sorts, a number of things that I knew going in and a number of things I absolutely did not. (laughs) Um, But what a fantastic learning experience and journey there. Can you talk to us a little bit about what Distill Networks does? Yeah, so Distill Networks uh, was the industry leader in bot mitigation. Hmm. What the heck does that mean? (laughs) Well, um, there are these um, bad actors out in cyber that create these scripts, these bots, right, that go out to target specific company websites, government websites, even Hmm. mobile applications for all sorts of malicious purposes. Now, there are good bots, too. Think about Google Hmm. search or think about our text messaging, which is driven by bots. Hmm. But there are also very malicious ones um, for cybercrime purposes, espionage, hacking, et cetera, um, all sorts of uh, types of bots that are created targeting um, our clients. So we create the software and services to protect Hmm. against those. That's fantastic. So in this transformation or turnaround story, what were the what were some of the markers that that you saw of what uh, what the turnaround needed to be for for distill? Yeah, there there was already an amazing foundation of a tremendous you know technology capability in in the bot capa- in the bot capability that already existed. the mm-hmm. The team had built the market leading um, bot solution. However, 
We were at an interesting juxtaposition where there were new entrants into mm-hmm. the market. That's mm-hmm. a good news, bad news story, right? There's an actual market. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> That's great. The downside is now we have competition. Mm-hmm. We also realized that the way that we were deploying the technology was not as stable as it needed to be. The Mm. infrastructure that we leveraged was not as stable as it needed to be. Mm -hmm. And the way that our customers wanted to ingest the capability to take action within their environment was also changing. Mm -hmm. And so we needed to think about how we would take the logic and models that we had implemented in kind of the legacy reverse proxy infrastructure and deploy it differently. Mm-hmm. So, so, and just to back up, so then you've got competitive threats, you've got execution struggles, and you've got a service model, you know, friction with your clients all at the same time. And, and if I understand you, you were also brought in at, to, to cause a turnaround. So you didn't have to explain that. That wasn't something that you came to on your own. That was a, that was a realization the, the company or leadership had already made. And then you came into that uh, situation to try to lead them through that. Is that right? That is right. Although I don't think it was well known across the entire population of the company mm-hmm. um, in, right. in the situation we were in. Plus, there were some financial. Uh, there was some financial struggles we were going through. The company had already raised a pretty significant amount of of, of funding from our investors, mm-hmm. and we needed to go through another raise mm-hmm. uh, right after I got on board. So that mm-hmm. that process. Um, began. We had to reduce our burn rate, which was extremely high at the time, which caused us to go through a restructuring. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there were just a number of things. It wasn't just one thing. It was, and then as Jess uh, very well knows, um, (laughs) we actually brought on three pillar Mm-hmm. to assess our product management, product development functions and teams mm-hmm. to determine if we were doing all of the right things or what changes we need to make, make what training and enablement we needed to put in place, mm-hmm. how could we best execute on an agile methodology, et cetera. So lots of moving parts all at the same time. Yeah. Well, and as much as I'd love to brag about the work that 3Pillar did, um, I think... You know, one of the the insights that is is interesting to me is to is to get inside your mind. Then, like as you were starting to approach this turnaround, mm-hmm. you're brand new at this company. You don't know all the all the players. You know, you're you're in this in this context. What are some of the the insights and tools? Um, what were some of the things that you were looking for as you were thinking about how to how to get to success um, from where where you started? Yeah, it's interesting. I think, you know, one of the things that I actually just described to a couple of um, graduate classes that I just taught last week at GW in Georgetown was, you know, how to take experiences that you had prior to apply to completely different kind of situations, Mm -hmm. how you can take um, your skill set and apply transferable skills, even if you're moving into a new career field or a different industry, right? And the same applies here, right? Um, if I look at essentially, you know, things that I've done in past lives, whether it was standing up a government affairs practice from ground zero at Symantec mm-hmm. to going to iSight Partners and helping with a turnaround there mm-hmm. to build a true go-to-market engine, the same kind of basic kind of principles have have applied for me and at least have worked for me. 
You know, the first um, and most important is to make sure that you've got leadership aligned, that change is needed, that it, it's acknowledged, right? Because mm-hmm. if you've got resistance within the leadership ranks, you're gonna have a tougher time. And that is bound to happen. Mm. I mean, a great book that I actually forced my entire team to read, I do a book club with my <laughs> team, is uh, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, mm-hmm. right? And it's yep. almost like I literally walked into that situation. I could name people <laughs> those characters in the book, right? Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> a second thing though that I've that has served me well is to have some structure uh, and a framework you can work with. Mm. And while it won't always be the same, you can apply a methodology, mm-hmm. right, to each scenario. Um, for me, the most important thing coming into Distill was not only recognizing we needed the change, but to establish a corporate strategy mm-hmm. and go to market and product roadmap that we could all get behind. Yep. And that takes time. It takes some skill and expertise. And if you've never done it before, you know, having folks who have had the experience who've done that before is tremendously important. Mm. I had the honor of being trained on how to do waterfall corporate strategy methodology mm-hmm. work and at Symantec. And I've literally taken that same methodology with me at every company since. Mm-hmm. So, and can you provide, um, so you talked about the framework and the principles, which I think is super helpful because it, it, uh, it informs kind of intellectually how you think about leading through a transformation. I think from a leadership perspective, it's so useful. Can you give an example of like some some aspect of that framework that you used at Distill that that you had you saw really positive benefits from? Yeah, the the first part of that is like what are the top three to five goals hmm. that you as a company mm-hmm. are going to focus on? Hmm. No more, not one, <laughs> not more than five. To get right, down just to, three to, to five. just to. Yeah. Just to limit, you know, our focus and be maniacally focused on those set of things, mm. right? And to get that alignment again is critical. Mm. You know, typically it's one around revenue and or bookings. Typically it's a, a goal around product, mm. uh, product roadmap of some sort. You typically have one that's marketing or brand focused. And for us, it was getting market leadership by a third party analyst, mm. right? Mm-hmm. In the case of Forrester, you know, the the wave uh, that yep. we knew that they were going to begin working on around yep. bot, um, et cetera. So that probably was the most important you know, first step in that waterfall methodology, which then from there you say, okay, from there, what's the market landscape? What are our customers telling us, right? Mm -hmm. Or the customers we want to target? Where do we want to target? Mm -hmm. What are their unmet needs and underserved requirements that then inform our product Mm -hmm. strategy and roadmap? And then from there, and this is probably... The second to next important thing is how do you ensure you build the right KPIs at the end of that waterfall Mm. to attach to every department or function or team? Because every individual within the company needs to be able to see how do I connect Mm. in my role today 
to those super lofty goals. If I'm an engineer, a dev engineer within Distill Networks, how the heck do I know what impact I'm having on a booking number mm-hmm. or uh, this number or that number? And so we actually spent a lot of time figuring mm-hmm. out how KPIs attached indirectly or directly to one or more of those goals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is a deeper version of the alignment you talked about at the leadership level, right? Yep. Is then aligning everybody behind the same, that That's same right. alignment. Yeah, That's fantastic. When you've gone into these different companies, what are the what are the kind of common um, missteps or challenges you've seen? Because certainly, I'm sure alignment is one of them. <laughs> it is. I mean, that's typically the 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 biggest one that I've seen consistently. But I think part of it is also cultural. There's this great book that I recommend everyone read. It's it's a book by Dr. Carol Dweck, and it's called mm-hmm. Mindset. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was required reading for me many moons ago in Symantec <laughs> and has stuck with me. And and it's really about this inherent view, this, this thesis that you are inherently either open-minded or closed-minded. Mm-hmm. And the good news for those of us that are closed-minded is you can actually re-engineer yourself to be more open-minded, right? Mm-hmm. Or work hard to do that. But mm-hmm. going into certain cultures, if you're walking into a company culture where it's inherently more closed-minded, you have a lot more work ahead of you. And don't discount just how hard that can be sometimes. It's not as simple as, well, I put our our new core values up on a board and therefore <laughs> it is, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's also ensuring that the behaviors that you exhibit as leaders have to permeate right down. Mm-hmm. And so it's walking the talk mm-hmm. um, is absolutely critical. I see that as just one of the biggest Issues that companies are, you know, often have is they 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 discount that you know, or underestimate how it's a really pretty board with our values on it. So, so amazing! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I put a lot into so that. Great. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think another um, one thing that I am very proud of is within the first couple of weeks of getting on board. I literally conducted one-on-ones with every employee in the company, mm-hmm. um, and that's a second, you know, kind of takeaway is don't be stuck in your high lofty chair, you know, yeah. as a leader and not hear what's actually going on on the ground. Did like, you, so I'm kind of curious, like what was your intent in doing that? And then what did you learn that yeah. kind of surprised you through that that process? Because I'm sure. Yeah. It was twofold. It was one, don't assume you know everything, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you you may have only been told, sure. you know, 5% of the 100%. When given the chance, people will tell you the truth hmm. and they'll be open yeah. with you. Um, and it'll create that layer of transparency that at least I was looking for within hmm. my company culture. Hmm. What's working? What's not working? How can I best help or enable? Right. Hmm. And it also gave me a chance to f- find where talent resided in the organization, what people's strengths were, um, how I could leverage people differently than than just their current job. Mm-hmm. And it also, another book uh, that I recommend is The Speed of Trust by Stephen mm-hmm. Covey Jr. And it's a, it's a principle that he talks about in there is, 
you can speed up trust within your organization so much faster when you do those types of exercises early on mm-hmm. and, and in a condensed time frame. Mm-hmm. So it just gave me tremendous knowledge very quickly, mm. helped me build trust. And I was able to understand a lot more about what was working and not working in the organization. Mm-hmm. Which, I, yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, given the situation you described it to still when you joined, that this was going to be a turnaround situation that you needed to address a lot of challenges very quickly with a, a raise, you know, so you had pressure from from all kinds of sources that getting a, a more well-rounded picture, a deeper picture of what's going on inside the organization is probably a key prerequisite to be able to lead then through that transformation. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And, you know, I want to preface all this by saying, like, it wasn't all doom and gloom. I mean, <laughs> sure. Rami and Engen and Andrew, the co-founders of this company, like, they pulled off so much that I would never in a million years be mm. able to pull off, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm never going to be the entrepreneurial CEO that has the big idea and can build an amazing like product from the ground up. Yep. Like, you know, it's the, the old adage, you do you, right? <laughs> I, what I do is I can help come in and help turn around or scale mm. a, an mm-hmm. organization that already has tremendous you know, capability, um, has an initial kind of established Mm -hmm. client base, but doesn't know how to take it to the next level, right? And so I think understanding where people's strengths and weaknesses are Mm -hmm. uh, across the team is also incredibly important. I Mm -hmm. mean, I knew, you know, Rami had tremendous product vision and -hmm. continued to have that entrepreneurial spirit spirit that we needed to reside within the product kind of function, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, Engen had amazing, you know, discipline around kind of the product dev and applying agile methodology and really mm-hmm. championing that. And, mm-hmm. you know, so you think about all of the different things that different people bring to the team and it's, you know, I think that's just some of the magic, right? Is, mm-hmm. is also making sure that you've got enough diversity mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. your organization to provide different perspectives also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is where mm-hmm. I have to say yes. I actually know all these people because yeah. um, <laughs> yes. I was on this. Uh, I was on a project for six weeks with the team. It's a wonderful group. I really. Yes. I went to the, their conference and where they all got together in New Orleans, and really smart, capable, driven, just delightful people to work really? with. Yes. I really had a great time on the engagement. One of the things I think was unique, having known a little bit of what happens on the inside, is that this is a really distributed organization. I talked to people, and one guy in the UK, and some people in North Carolina, Detroit, Arlington, Virginia, Stockholm. all over the place. <laughs> Stockholm. There's yes, the Swedish team with the data scientist who's into death metal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not even kidding. <laughs> totally true. Uh, you can't make that up. <laughs> yeah. The other interesting things is not one, but two people who had RV'd across the country with their children and did all their work in the RV remotely. Wow. And so I'm kind of curious, like with a, so many of our, te- so many tech companies are distributed and they have people all over. Mm-hmm. How do you mm-hmm. not only do a transformation, but do a transformation when you can't necessarily like meet face to face all the time or maybe only once a year? 
It is challenging. Let me just start with that. <laughs> but it's also what more and more companies are faced with to, to try to find the best talent. Mm. They're having to, you know, support or embrace more than they want to at times, mm. this idea of remote, remote workforce. And it can be extremely challenging. That said, it's not impossible, but it takes a lot more work. And you know, for me at least, what I experienced is it's all about communication, 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 and like saying it more than once. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you got to say it seven or eight times mm -hmm. before it really sinks in, right? We did, you know, all hands um, sessions via Zoom mm -hmm. on a consistent basis to get information out to all hands, mm -hmm. right? There was a level of transparency with the team that had, had, there had been uh, all hands previously, but the layer of them, the amount of transparency just went mm -hmm. several layers deeper. And I wanted to make sure that there was this notion of, it is okay to acknowledge where we are failing. We have to, because it's the only way we're going to fix those things is mm -hmm. through that acknowledgement and mm -hmm. to fail fast and not to lie blame, but to figure out how we move forward. The reason why that's also important is because, and we talked earlier about, you know, what are one of the common like, you know, trip ups, right? That that many face, and it's treating symptoms instead of hmm. treating root cause issues. I I mean, I see it all the time, constantly, where leaders or organizations are trying to do the right thing by fixing a quote unquote problem, but they're fixing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. They're just treating the symptom because they're not asking why five times, right? Mm -hmm. The power of why. And that is like, you know, oh, well, this is happening. Well, why is that? Oh, because so, such and such. Well, why is that occurring? Well, because, and eventually you finally figure out what the root cause is that you can actually spend your time fixing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, word to the wise, it's like, if you think you've solved a problem, but you keep encountering other issues, you probably haven't actually solved the real root issue. Yeah, that, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's insightful. And, uh, and yeah, we see our own version of that um, in, in the companies that we work with as well as our own. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's yeah. a really, really great reminder. Gotta keep digging for the for what's where's the dysfunction in the middle, and oftentimes it's interesting. I often find that alignment is one of the main ones, right? Yes. So it's interesting that that's where you kind of start. Yeah, um, I'm sure that's a learned, uh, you know, prioritization learned, that I'm going to yeah. start here um, because that's often at the root cause of mm -hmm. of those those symptoms. So um, interesting to tie those two things together. Are there particular mistakes that you learned along this transformation uh, that that you can speak to? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I made my share. <laughs> Where do I start? Um, so, you We're know, talk about fail fast. Um, it, you know, I think it's often difficult coming into a company that's already been in existence, you know, for a number of years and has an established leadership team, has an established culture, mm has a co you know set of co-founders that are just loved mm. right and you know like you know it's almost cultish right <laughs> and to be able to kind of step into that is can be very difficult so for me stepping into that was difficult and i what i probably did 
I know I did was I probably listened too long. So, so you know, mm. it's almost the other extreme, right? Where often you see leaders come in and they think they, they know all the answers and probably foul up too quickly because they haven't listened enough. You know, my mm. dad, you know, I hear my dad in my, in, in my head, like you have two ears and you have one mouth. It's <laughs> 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 telling you to listen more than talk, right? Huh. And so I listened a lot. I observed a lot. And I listened to the leadership team a lot and took action based on their recommendations often. Not all bad, by the way, Mm -hmm. but I think I did not take action soon enough and listen to my gut Mm -hmm. quickly enough around some of the problems that did exist that, you know, I knew changes needed to be made, but I didn't act swiftly enough, Mm -hmm. right? And let it kind of play out a little too long. So that, you know, that completely on me, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I should have acted faster in, in some cases. So that's, that's one big, big which, one. Which, which ties really nicely to, the, to my next question, which is sort of what are the warning signs that in hindsight you, you think you should have paid attention to or that you think others should be looking for if they're entering a, a transformation phase? What are those sort of warning signs that you're on or off track um, or are on the wrong track is probably a better way to put it. You know, what, what are those signs? What do you look for, those sneaky, mm-hmm. insightful tells mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that you're, uh, you're not headed in the right direction? Well, again, I, we keep going back to this, but it's about alignment, mm-hmm. right? And when you start to see certain individuals vehemently in you know one end of the spectrum and others vehemently on the other mm-hmm. end of the spectrum and you're kind of stuck in between yeah. and and somewhat paralyzed and sometimes it could be between two co-founders right mm-hmm. um it could sometimes you know sure. it, it's i think important to step back and almost step out mm-hmm. of the situation and for me it's being more objective and not getting so intertwined into the dynamics of the relationships and the emotions, Mm -hmm. but rather just being much more like, okay, I hear you. Okay, I hear you. Now I'm going to make my decision and you can disagree, but commit, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think I'll take that lesson with me to the next one, right? Mm -hmm. um, wherever I do go. Oh, now we, we get to benefit from that lesson yeah. too, which, yeah. is, which is fantastic. It sounds like it can be lonely. Mm. It can be tremendously lonely. I mean, you know, mm. you hear that mm. and then you're like, oh, I mean, but you're CEO. So it's, <laughs> you know, no, it can be tremendously lonely. And I had, uh, the, I had the great gift of a tremendous board and the support of a board uh, who was willing to offer me an executive coach. And thank God for that because my executive coach was my sounding board. Yeah. They were the person I talked to to say, okay, I'm dealing with these three things. These are the strange dynamics around this. This is like, how, what do you think? And oftentimes, by the way, he would just, you know, he, he would come back with another question, mm-hmm. right? Those darn executive coaches. <laughs> um, I and, pay you for answers. Yes, come on. <laughs> come on. Just give me the simple answer. But it was like, well, but how do you, th-? you know, and, 
eventually we'd get to the right place and often the answer resided within me. I just right. needed it's that gut you were talking about. the gut, right? Yeah. But I mm-hmm. needed that kind of boost to say, no, you got this. You're approaching mm-hmm. this the right way. Now get off your butt and go do it. You <laughs> go know? do the like, thing go, you know you need yeah, to do. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Coaches yeah. are great that way and terrible. Um, <laughs> both. But I'll tell you, for anyone you know, in a CEO role or becoming a CEO, I would say single best thing you could do is get yourself an executive coach. Mm. Mm -hmm. No, I was just going to say thank you because I think that's the kind of thing that in a transformation, those are a lot of people will talk about the strategy, the practices, the learnings, but I I don't think many people talk about the personal burdens. And so thank you for sharing that because I think that's something that a lot of people would really appreciate hearing. No, you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It definitely strikes me in your story, like the the number of things that you're left to, to ponder and decide and mitigate and, and navigate. Um, it's, a, it's a tricky situation, especially because you're an outsider as well. Yeah. Like, so it only accentuates the, the loneliness and as if it's not hard enough um, to be in that role. Yeah, it's really insightful. This has been an episode of The Innovation Engine, a podcast from Three Pillar Global. If you have questions, comments, or guest suggestions, email us at info at threepillarglobal.com or visit us at threepillarglobal.com. <laughs>